Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shed. This week, we're celebrating Valentine's Day with 1981's My Bloody Valentine. It's a bad time, this time of year. How many times is he going to tell this story? Oh, let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool! The first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. Look, Landers, you've got to get a lot of exercise if you're going to grapple with Gretchen. Oh, yeah? Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never going to forget. <laughs> right to the heart, huh? In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice. In the town of Valentine Bluffs, there are many ways to die. Take your pick. Bloody Valentine. So this is my birthday month. Yay, send her gifts. And this is one of my favorite films. I couldn't tell you why I love it so much. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, we have obviously Halloween, right? I love yeah. Halloween. I'm not a big Valentine's Day person, but... There's something about this movie. I just love films that have that kind of like, oh, the lore. Like, yeah, there's a backstory and it's something that happened many years ago. You know, that kind of shit always gets me. Well, one of the things with this, too, is like it takes place on Valentine's Day. Obviously, the, you know, the incident happened on Valentine's Day before and all this. But... You could have easily changed this movie and made this, it happened on Halloween. It could have happened on Halloween and the same, the story would be the same. It would just be a different holiday, you know? Yeah. This could have even been a Friday the 13th movie if that already hadn't been taken. 
Yeah, I guess. I just... Well, before we get into all of that, let's talk about... Uh, you can go ahead and talk about the directors and screenwriters. Well, this was directed by George Mihalka, who... After this, he seemed to mostly work a lot in TV, but he did do a few other horror movies you may have heard of. One called Eternal Evil. It's kind of a mainstay on the video store shelves. And one I haven't seen called The Psychic. Not any of the other movies called The Psychic. This is one with Zach Galligan from like 1991. I kind of want to see that too. All right, the story for this came from Stephen Miller, and he's worked on a lot, again, a lot of TV like George Mihalka. He worked on a lot of 80s shows like Magnum P.I., Simon & Simon. He worked on that Nightman TV series that was in the uh, late 90s. I don't know if you remember that thing. How about Dayman? No, just Nightman. <laughs> uh, the actual screenplay was written by a guy named John Baird, who passed away in 1993, apparently. He was only 40 years old. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, now, the thing I want to talk about for this real quick is this is one of the few like 80s horror movies or horror movies in general, that has its own special ballad. Oh, yes. At the end of the movie, you get the ballad of Harry Warden. The music for this was done by uh, a man named Paul Zaza, who did the music for Curtains. He also did the music for the Porky's movies in the 80s and for all of the Prom Night movies. So he got a guy named John McDermott to sing the song The Ballad of Harry Warden. And other than... Uh, Madman, which we've also covered. I can't think of any other horror movie that has like a theme song with lyrics for the guy. Because you know, obviously Halloween's you, everybody knows the music for that's iconic, but there's no lyrics. Yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, none of those have lyrics. Michael Myers was a boy who yeah. walked down the stairs. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it quite have to say, but the Ballad of Harry Warden and the Ballad of Madman. Out the door with a knife in hand. Heron's driving up. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. He doesn't have, there's no lyrical. Yeah, like, and same thing with the other, you know, iconic ones. And it's kind of odd that the... The two movies from the 80s that never got sequels during the 80s, or really ever, ever, this one got a remake, but it never got a sequel, they're the ones that have the special theme song for the killer, you know? Yeah. Just kind of odd to me. I have to say that the song is kind of, like, romantic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a ballad. Even the Ballad of Madman Mars in there, you know, has kind of a like a campfire kind of thing to it. Like, he would sing around the campfire to be kind of creepy, you know? So, uh, Paul Kelman is TJ, Tom Jesse, which I can't recall them ever calling him Tom Jesse in the movie. It's TJ throughout the whole movie. Or occasionally, they did call him TK at least once. I oh, think yes, they, they did. They fucked that up. They fucked that up at least once. I heard somebody call him TK. Uh, Hanniger and his father's the mayor. So that's, you know. And the owner of the mine. No conflict of interest there. I can't. <laughs> Neil Affleck, no relation to any of the Afflecks. Um, he's Axel, and he was an animator, a director, an actor, a teacher. He wore many hats, okay? I have to say, out of everyone, because there a lot of the other actors, these, this was just like a one-off for them. They were like in this and like one other thing or just this. But... Axel, Neil Affleck, he went on 
And he was an animator and he worked as an animation timer and director on shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy. Wow. And as an actor, he also appeared in within the same year. He was also in Scanners. Oh, wow. So it's so crazy. Like, this guy just went off to, like, animate The Simpsons. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay. And then John Franks, who played uh, the chief, Chief Jake Newby, he voiced several characters for Inspector Gadget, alongside with his daughter, Cree Summer, who was the voice of Penny during the first season of the original show. Wow. So you have them doing that. And then Harry Warden is played by Peter Cowper, which we did meet. Yeah, we met him at the, I guess it was been about, oh, when was that, 2016? Yes. It's been about eight years now. Super lovely. Signed my, I had a, I have a, um, uh, one of the candy heart shaped boxes with a heart heart in it. (laughs) And, um, which I had bought in a convention, actually in there, there was like a finger and a heart and some other like things. And I took that out just so I can just have the heart and had him sign that. So, and he wrote like the roses are red. You know, the little spiel. And then Patricia Hamilton, who played Mabel, she actually... And the only reason why I included this is because I'm a big... I'm a fan of the Anna Green Gables uh, 1985 version of Anna Green Gables. And she played um, Mrs. Rachel Lynn, who was like the nosy, like, neighbor um, that lived by them. She was like a big... a, a bee. So she she played like in the animated series. She did the voice for the same character and the spinoffs. She was in it, so she was all about Anna Green Gables. Um, So yeah, just so crazy. Like the totally like you would think they would stay within the genre or whatever. Like so spread out, and they all did like all these other things. But um, this is a Canadian film. Um, go Canada. And I have to say that... Explains why he was in Scanners. Exactly. Canada, I have to say, obviously, the USA has a lot, has put out a lot of fucking horror movies. But I, the horror movies I love the most, like, have actually come out from Canada. Canada puts out some good, some pretty good horror movies. They do. Classics, I would say. Classics. Yes, they do a lot of but the ones they do are the ones that you remember a lot. We actually were able to watch at the Enzian, um, which is like an independent theater here. Um, we were able to watch the 4K restoration of this yeah. film. It's the first time I've seen it like theatrically like this. I've always seen it on you know, VHS or Blu-ray, something like that. I, I, I feel like I've seen it in the big screen before, but I, 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 I'm probably just thinking like, because I've seen it so many times that... It's probably that we saw the big screen like outside. So I'm like, oh, I saw it on the big screen. But yeah, I think this is the first time I've actually seen it like in like a theater format. And they played the um, version that had the nine minutes cut out because this movie, the Motion Picture Association of America was like, no, you got to cut out like you got to cut some stuff out of this movie because this this rating is going to be like. Probably like NC seventeen, like <laughs> yeah, you know X at the time, so that would have been limiting exactly where it would go, you know. So they had to cut out nine minutes, and it's so wild what gets cut out because it's like the most violent, gory 
things that get cut out, but like where they have to make the cuts. It's always weird, you know? You know, because it's like, oh, you can show like the axe about to chop the head off. But you can't show it actually chopping the head off. You have to do like a cutaway and then it's rolling down the fucking mine. Like shit like that. Like weird. <laughs> where it's not like in action. It's just like you have to imagine the part where the head's being cut off. And you know that kind of thing. Like how everyone thought like in you know Halloween it was like the bloodiest movie they ever saw. And so you there's think it's like, like just Chainsaw Massacre and you're like yeah that's not uh there's no blood in that movie. So, there's 12 kills in this film, which I have to say is a lot for, I feel like, 81. They just went right for it. Because, I, I mean, I may be wrong, but I'm like, previous horror movies, were there that many kills? No, I feel like they wanted up at the beat, like, Halloween and Friday the 13th, because this has come out after both of them. And they wanted to kind of, you know, really get it. Because this one starts off with a pretty gruesome kill. Which, I mean, you know, they all kind of did at the time. But this, this one thing that cracks me up is this one starts off with Harry Warden killing someone in the mine. And we never go back to that person or find out what happened there. Was that one of the original ones? Was that happening in the 60s? Was that happening now? We never really knew, did we? Okay, so I'm sure there's some information on the internet somewhere. But I never thought that was actually Harry Warden that killed that chick. Oh, I, the other one, yeah. Spoiler alert. I think it's Axel that killed her. Um, Maybe as practice to like rip because... No, I'm going to tell you right now. It is Axel because the heart that he pulls out is the heart that he sends over to the mayor. Oh, that's right. Because in the morgue scene... He comes back, he goes, he comes, um, you know, whatever, comes back and he says, oh, it's a human heart. So he confirms that it's a human heart. So it's Axel that, that did it. You can't just go around and just never have killed anyone with an axe and like try to rip hearts out if you've never done it before. You got to get practice in. And that was his practice, you know? Yeah, you, gotta, you can't just, yeah, you can't just go into this blind. Yeah. Which also, like... In this time frame, like the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of, like, child trauma. Like, oh, the kid was, like, traumatized. And then that affected, you know, how the kid was raised. And then they'd be fucking something. They get triggered and they become a psycho. Like, so Axel was completely fine from, like, ages, like, 7 to, like, 25. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he didn't he didn't cut no lizard tails off he wasn't doing anything weird but once that valentine dance went up that was it he was like nope nope valentine's day can't come back i'm Which not I about feel that like he could have just went to the guy and been like hey uh it's really freaking me out about this valentine dance can we just skip that or i don't know maybe just get the fuck out of town for valentine's day maybe because they didn't have like, they spent 20 years with no Valentines. So, like, from the age of, like, 7 to, like, let's assume he's, like, 25, right? From the, even though he looks like he's 35. From the ages of 7 to, like, 25, there's no Valentines. There's no, no, there's no dance. No one's sending cards. Like, they're not decorating the town. And the last time you actually experienced that was when you saw your dad get murdered, you know, on Valentines. So... 
I think literally that probably was like the trigger. Like, oh no, I can't fucking handle these doilied up fucking, <laughs> you know, hearts and these, these, uh, you know, honeycombed decorations. I must kill now. That was yeah. a trigger. The trigger was the doll, the dolly hearts and the candied boxes, heart shaped boxes. He yeah. wasn't about that. He was like, no, I can't do it. It was so bad. You know, it's interesting because this movie, there's a lot of things in it that you'd see in later Friday the 13th movies, like the practical Joker. This has got the guy that's always pulling a joke on people. He's always doing something. They're always going, oh, you, which you'd see like in Friday the 13th with Shelley and you would see in yeah. all the 80s comedies had a practical Joker of some kind. He was always doing something. Terror Train had a practical joke. Well, that one went a little crazy on that one, but you know, there was always a practical yes, joker. There in was all always these a practical joker. You're right, and 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 then the other thing, the old man with the warning. Yep, the bartender in this is like they nailed this perfectly in uh, the cabin in the woods when they had the guy that was the sentinel that was giving him the warning at the gas station not to go and all. But yeah, this guy was perfect on that. What gets me about that whole thing is like how like that took off like how you will see that played over and over again and it just becomes part of like a horror the horror movies yeah it you just know? really became one of the tropes you know how it becomes a trope like they're like oh this is the thing that we're gonna this is the thing yeah because in texas chainsaw massacre which obviously came out before this the guy in the wheelchair was like the funny guy yeah Right? Because then, and then that thing, he's like, oh, I have a disability, so I gotta be the funny guy if I want to get the girls, like. And it's always the kind of odd-looking guy that there's something there, like, oh, this is what their character trait is. They get someone that's a little odd-looking, do them, you know, put them in maybe a crazy outfit or do something like that, and they're the practical joker. Even down to, like, some of the deaths, like, you have the Halloween-esque death where the girl gets like lifted up and like punctured in the back of the head yeah into the shower into the shower you know where that's the equivalent of bob getting it yeah on whatever the fuck that was the hook or nail whatever the heck it was sticking like out the 13th kind of ripped this off later with the uh the one people where we find them like while they were screwing and they got screwed oh yeah the double impalement with the, yeah with the uh, double impalement with the yeah. drill they got screwed to the counter yeah and then you have the sleepaway camp kill with the whole like um boiling water yeah so um, i feel like a lot of movies took things from this you know and they just up the ante on it sleepaway camp was like they put a guy's head in a pot in this okay we're gonna make a fucking pot that's six feet tall and put it on the burner that we're gonna throw on this guy for me, not to digress, like, and move away from my bloody Valentine, um, Sleepaway Camp, uh, we, we've obviously had Felissa on, wonderful um, lady, and um, <clears throat> it celebrated an anniversary last year, because um, it came out in 83, but what I want to say about the film is, um, like... Was that a, like a Hansel and Gretel thing? Because were they trying to fucking cook one of the kids? Because the thing was, was massive. I didn't even... Also, I'm like, if you're going to have a pot that big, why would you have it up on a stove? Because it have, if you put water in that thing, it would probably weigh 2,000 pounds. Because it had to hold like 500 gallons of water in there. You know? I don't know. It's just fucking crazy. That was a crazy... But anyhow, we got to find the weeds in that one, but... 
Uh, another thing I wanted to mention on this that I found interesting was the character of Hollis in this. It's played by an actor named Keith Knight that uh, passed away in 2007. He, in a lot of these movies in the 80s, he would have just been the fat guy because he's chubby, he's got a mustache, but in most of the 80s comedies and a lot of the other horror movies, he would have just been the fat guy that would have been the butt of all the jokes. But this is one of the few movies where he's not the butt of any jokes. They never have him doing any of the things that's like, oh, I'm going to eat 12 hot dogs or do any of that kind of stuff. He's the one that gets in and breaks up a couple of fights because he's the big guy that's strong. Yeah. And all this. I just, it's interesting because so many of the 80s movies just do that trope of the fat guy eats all the time and he's the butt of all the jokes. Yeah. And it was just nice to see one where he was just a dude that was with them at the thing and nobody treated me different, you know? Well, that's because they were in Canada. Yeah, the Canadians. They're all very nice. But yeah, if he'd have been in America, it would have been a different story. <laughs> Something we haven't seen in another film, and I mean, not that I've seen every single horror movie that's ever come out, but my favorite kill in this is, unfortunately, Mabel's death. Yeah. The dryer. The dry to death kill. Because that shit is gruesome. Yeah. And I'm not up for the gruesome kills. But man... What I really love about that kill is... When he goes in, it's just like, what smells so bad in here? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, did it sound, smell like fried bologna? Like, or like fried like pepperoni? Some kind of disgusting like fried meat? No. My question is... I, I Not my question. I love that... They show you her going around. It gets... He opens the door. He's, uh, he's like, grasping the... Like, oh, my God. You know, hit Mabel. Like, he's, like, fucking crazed, right? And they show her going around in, like, the slow motion. And then they go back for, like, a second round. They're, like... <laughs> and she keeps, like, tumbling side to side. It's hilarious. It's, like, the best part of the movie for me. I also want to say... When we saw this at the NZN, there was a question that was asked of how many people had seen this movie for the first time. I want to say, if I had to take a good educated guess, the NZN probably holds like, probably like 200 people, right? Probably. Uh, maybe not that many. Maybe about 100. You think 100? I don't know. I'm going to go with 200. Nevertheless, it was more than half of the people. Like, I feel like we were the only ones that didn't raise our hand. Yeah, there were very few people that didn't raise their hand when they were like, have you never, how many people is this their first time seeing it? Yeah. Almost every hand in the building went up. And a lot of people laughed in a lot of scenes. And I've never experienced, like, I've watched Halloween, I can't even tell you how many times on the big screen, and watched it with all different kinds of audiences. And... There hasn't really been laughs, but this film got so many laughs, and I just kept wondering, like, what the fuck is so funny? Like, uh, but because I've seen the film so much, and I wasn't getting bothered by it, it was just so curious to me, like, what is it that gained a laugh? Because for you to laugh at something, yeah, like... We've, we've seen Halloween with the crowd at the NZN, and there were people there that raised their hand up that have been like, oh, we've never seen it before. We didn't have a lot of laughter at that one. But there, Phantasm, I, even, when I yeah. saw that there, there wasn't a lot of people like, oh, <laughs> Phantasm's hilarious, or whatever. No. no, I don't know. I think because it's a horror film, 
there are scenes that maybe the people felt were just over dramatized and that's what got the laugh i don't know i really wanted to ask like i really wanted to just stop people like just take a note of who laughed and then like ask them what did you find funny in that scene i was just so like if you have one off for the listeners if you happen to have been in the fucking theater and you happen to listen to our podcast Please send us a stay tuned to the horror at gmail.com, an email, or on our Instagram. Um, and just like just DM us what made you laugh. Like the one scene that's very clear in my head, the first laugh was when the chief and the mayor in the car, and the mayor has received the chief is like, Oh, this was dropped off for you or whatever, and he gives him like the fucking box of candy and he oh, opens oh, the little card. Got an admirer. Yeah, he opens the card, right? And he reads the fucking warning, like don't fucking have the dance basically. And then he opens it and it's a fucking heart. And they don't show you the heart in the box. They just show his reaction. But his reaction is like he leans back into the chair, his head is back on the chair and he's like oh no like and that gained laugh like i was just like okay like i would understand if he was like oh oh no like very dramatic but it was just like it's just a very very like basic laugh like oh no like oh shit what did i just open you know i don't know i just it, it just really like fucking send me it i i'm never gonna stop thinking about this like this is something that's gonna stay with me which is weird like why would i keep thinking about it i just want to know like why are people laughing like not that this is a fucking academy award-winning like serious movie like oh no we're watching a drama like why are people laughing I don't know, just the scenes that were being laughed at were scenes that didn't garnish a laugh. Like, they didn't garner a laugh, not garnish. They didn't garner a laugh. <laughs> now I'm hungry. <laughs> All the talk about chocolate, and I'm just like, mmm, delicious. I would love to eat some chocolate right now. Do you have a favorite death scene? Um, Besides the Mabel Laundronette death? Yeah, that one's pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think which one was my favorite other than that. Uh, oh, I, yeah, The this is a little more graphic in the extended version, too, is where they put the rope around the guy's neck. The jokester, I believe, is the one that is the jokester guy, where he gets thrown off of the ladder with the rope around his neck, and it just snaps his head off, and then you see the head just kind of hanging on with all the pieces of it and everything. And that was a great effect. I love that. Yeah, I love the other one where he gets the pickaxe in the fucking eye, and the eye's, like, dangling oh, yeah. off the fucking... The old man that gave the warning damn he got it real yeah and then he got dragged you know but i hate to say that he deserved that death because that idiot and and i'm gonna just just chalk this up to he must have been drunk right like well obviously yeah he bet the bar drinking warning people about death all day so i mean when you're the drinking. bartender you shouldn't be drinking like but oh fine he's been drinking the whole time we're assuming because he went back like four or five times to open the door because he had rigged like a, a fake minor costume a, to scare them. Yeah, to scare them, to fucking, you know, oh, those fucking kids, they think it's just so funny, I'm going to get them, like, thing. I'm like, dude, you did it like five times. 
you did it so many times that you actually Axel had time to like get into the fucking gear, walk into the fucking area, take like, your dummy down. Yes, and then wait. So maybe you've done it too many times, Chief. Yeah. So I'm like, no, he deserves to die. He's an idiot. Like the, you do it one time to check to make it, like, oh, oh, that's funny. You do it the second time to make sure that it actually works, and then you fucking walk away. Or was he so drunk? That Axel just happened to have the gear on. Maybe he, that was where he had just killed the girl mm. in the mine. He was so drunk that he just came in and started rigging up Axel's hand. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to wait and see where we're going with this. And after a few times, he was like, all right, I'm going to kill him now. Because he's just like, I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let him go. Okay, he came back again. That's it. This fucker has to die. I don't know, dude. But yeah, he really, he really got it. Big time. That was the... Uh, they kind of did a version of that kill in the remake of it where it was um, Tom Atkins. And he gets hit in the jaw with the pickaxe and gets his jaw ripped off. Which I gotta say, I saw that one when they it first came out. In the oh, because it was in 3D. It was in 3D. It had some great 3D with it, too. And when they threw the jaw at the thing and it turned and threw it straight at the screen, it looked good. It came flying right up at you and it was like, whoa. I don't even have a recollection if I saw this in a the theater or not. I don't. When what year did that come out? Two thousand nine. I the same year as the Friday the Thirteenth like remake reboot that oh. starred the other guy from Supernatural. Oh yeah, I did actually like uh, Killer X, whatever. It's no, called. it's just it's just called Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth. Killer Cut thing was just what they put on the extended version when okay. they released it. I don't know why, but I literally think that that's the name of the movie, yeah. Killer Cut. They should just name it Killer Cut. Like, Probably. I, that's the name of the movie for me. But yeah, but, I always thought it was weird that the two guy, the two leads from Supernatural, each starred in a remake of a horror movie that was centered around a holiday, Friday the 13th and Valentine's Day, and they released the same month. Like, that's kind of weird, where they just like, I don't no, know. fuck you, I'm going to be in a movie just like you. <laughs> what was that? Was that competitiveness? Or they just, what well, they got offered, and they were like, yeah, well, the check's good, so let's go. When did The Fog come out with uh, Superman? Uh, that was like 2005. That was a few years before. Okay, okay. I didn't know if it was like a CW war. Yeah, maybe. It's still pretty recent compared to it. But, you know, I, the remake of this one, I don't... It's not bad. I like it. It, I, it reminds me a little bit more. It's a more spread out. It takes place over a few more days, I think, and in more areas than just the mine and, like, the area around the mine it's more of an i know what you did last summer kind of thing and it's not bad i really enjoyed that one yeah it's fine i i have no dislike for it but also i'm not in love with it i'm just like whatever about it. it's fine it's fine it was just i think part of it when i saw it was it was like oh my god tom atkins is back in a movie yeah well no obviously tom atkins and and i'm literally trying to like i'm racking my brain i'm like but wait a second don't i own that movie i'm pretty sure i own that movie yeah i do at least if i don't you do so we do yeah but yeah i i don't know i i would have loved to have seen it in 3d that's for sure yeah this would have been good in 3d too because there's a few scenes in it that would make a pretty good 3d effect on it yeah i feel like this is the movie like why don't they like and this probably is fucking happened in California because everything happens in California. Um, this is something I would definitely go on like Valentine's to watch, yeah. like Valentine's Day. Like this is I'm not gonna watch like whatever fucking J Lo like movies coming out. I'm watching like don't ask me why J Lo was in my head. I'm going to watch you know My Bloody Valentine. 
you know what's hilarious about this movie too is they kind of got a little jab in at Friday the 13th because they're like oh our movie starts on Thursday the 12th where it's like the first events that are happening and then oh there's a few kills on Friday the 13th too hmm and then Saturday the 14th is Valentine's Day yeah so they got a little bit of all the holidays in there. You got Valentine's Day and some Friday the Thirteenth kills in there. And Jamie Lee Curtis's birthday. Yes. <laughs> For any of you who know what we just fucking said, send us a send us a DM. <laughs> <laughs> Referencing another movie which we have not covered. No. One day we'll cover it. One day. And I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna. I'll throw a guess. It's gonna be on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really. It was really awesome to see this. Um, and restored. I mean, it looked freaking amazing. And um, the all the but the nine minutes like it's like watching a whole new movie because it's eat. Nine minutes sounds like so little, but what they cut out really adds and it more was meat. Because there had been a version like we own a Blu-ray of it that's the the extended cut that has the uh, the extra footage, but there was a DVD they put out years ago that had the extended footage on there, but it wasn't necessarily merged back into the movie. And when it was, it was a much lower quality than the rest of the film, so it was very obvious. Like, oh well, this is the ob- you know this is the new footage. Yeah. But this one, they had everything cleaned up and restored, and it was really good to see everything kind of uniform and looking good, you know? Well, I think this wraps up our episode. Obviously, this is going to get a, uh, this is going to get four pickaxes. Yes, four pickaxes, for sure, for sure. Look regardless if, you know, there's some hokey moments. The kills are freaking great. The story is fantastic. Like, I love... I, I Also, is it a dig in a way to Halloween 2? Because when they're trying to find out if Harry Warden is in the fucking insane asylum, someone comments, like, either... They're like, look, either he's dead... Or, or he was transferred, and I'm just like, I'm dead. Of course he was transferred, because he was transferred. Was he transferred last Valentine's Day? Is well, that how course, he escaped? That's, that's how he gets out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I just... Uh, I and, love all those memes about, maybe they shouldn't move Michael Myers on Halloween. Maybe they should wait till, like... Yeah, November 1st, you yeah. know? Shit, some other day. Why is it always on fucking Halloween? Like, October 30th, let's move this dude. Like, that's the perfect time. No, maybe we should do it on Easter. Yeah, like, hello, why? Why would you do that? But it has its own ballad, okay? It has its own back, like, there's a lore behind it. And we didn't even get into, for those of you who have never seen it, we didn't even get into, like, the actual Harry Ward and, like, what happened. You got miners. There's a mine accident. The men get um, trapped in the cave. Trapped in, trapped in there. And... Harry Warden has to eat his way out yeah. to so fucking survive. He becomes a fucking cannibal. And of course, after you've eaten the human flesh, of course you lose your mind and you just go around fucking killing everybody. But you see, he killed the um, Axel's dad, which I don't remember clearly, even though, yes, I have said I've seen this movie so many times, the small details. If 
Axel's dad had any kind of like what the hell was he? It must have been something important because I feel like he, he went after. The, he was like the owner of the mine or the manager of the mine, I believe. Right, he was one of the people that went off and left them down there when the methane exploded. And, yeah. yeah, so he came back for revenge. Um, he came back after everybody that left him because they were supposed to be. This is kind of a thing in the remake too. Someone was supposed to be watching to make sure the methane levels didn't get too high and pull everybody out. They left and went to the party. Yes, and yes. that's where they got trapped down there. So after he spent a year in the insane asylum, they were like, well, you've been here a year, Chief. You're completely cured. They let him go, and he went out and started murdering everyone. You know, he. I, I want to know, did he eat those people? He definitely, definitely ate those people in the mine. No, 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 no. Not the people in the mine. When he went back a year later. Because mm. they say, like, once you taste the human flesh, that's it. That's all you want to eat. Like, that's, that's like, woo. Or you just go vegan. I don't think I don't think he went well. Maybe after eating that terrible hospital food, I think I would eat fucking human flesh too. Yeah, it might be better. Like you know, I, I don't I don't know, but so yeah, so you got all that, and then and then I'm just like, oh well, they just killed him off. He just died. He died. Yeah, he they just never died. Really said like what happened. Did he just die of old age? Did he? He just died. Yeah, he just died. He just the Avengers the End Game happened. He just Which fucking really, went away in a way. Also. Throughout this whole thing, the actual Harry Warden is kind of a red herring, much like in Prom Night. Yes. They're always talking about him, you know, Terry Warden, Terry Warden. In the end, you find out, no, Harry Warden's been dead for years. Yeah. So, again, it's the Prom Night thing of the red herring is out there, and you're like, oh, when is he going to show up? Oh, he's never showed up. He's dead. Well, guys, you know, this we, we spend Valentine's Day together, um, and I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> In a sense, even though it's going to be coming out before Valentine's Day. So just hold off and, um, you know, get a beer, get something to drink, something delicious, and listen to the ballad of Harry Warden while you're taking a boba bath um, yep. for anyone who enjoys a boba bath. And listen to this episode. And do not listen to IMDb, who says the soundtrack has never been made available. It's available lots of places. Yeah, like someone needs something. Well, yeah, the, the whole thing is like regular Joe Schmo goes in there and updates it. So yeah, well, the my blood, that. my bloody Valentine fans have not done justice to update the Wikipedia, not Wikipedia, the IMBD. Yeah. Um, in there because that information is wrong, and we own the album. Yeah. So we we have the physical media of the thing that says that doesn't exist. <laughs> Unless this is a real bad, what do you call it, the Mandela effect? Oh yeah, the real bad Mandela effect. We actually have a physical copy of it this time to prove it. Goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining us in another episode of Jump Scare, the horror podcast. Stay tuned to the horror. <laughs> Sarah, be my bloody Valentine. <laughs> Daddy, gone away. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.